You're listening to The Green Thumbs Up, brought to you by Miniquip Hire, WA's leading machinery hire company, supporting the Landscape Industries Association, WA. G'day landscapers, welcome to another episode of Green Thumbs Up, the podcast for landscapers, by landscapers, and that's proudly brought to you by Miniquip Hire. And tonight, in the hot seat, we've got Matt from the Fruit Tree Man, uh, Benno and Kieran. So, how are you Nick? I'm Matt. Good. Hey Nick. Good evening guys, hey, how you going? Uh, Matt, well, how we normally start off these podcasts by asking the, the, the guests um, how you got into the industry or what is your background? Yeah, I fell into this. I, when I was young, I had um, retail shops unrelated to this and in the 89 stock market crash, I lost the shirt off my back and I'm sitting back thinking, what am I going to do with myself? Sold it off everything I owned and I thought, what am I going to do? I always enjoyed gardening at home, so I borrowed a customer's rake and shovel and did some tidying up, garden maintenance and I was living in Darlington time and pretty hard graft up there so I thought I don't know anything about plants what am I going to do build a few rock walls so the jobs got bigger and bigger after about 18 months up there I customers were saying to me look you know if you buy a lawnmower and a whippersnipper you should go down uh, into the western suburbs and advertise down there I'm talking 25 years ago before the internet so I did that and probably 18 months, two years later, I had a turf uh, horticulturist and a turf manager with me doing some interesting jobs. So we started off obviously with maintenance and got a grounding in that and then we moved into um, renos and recycling, digging out trees and plants from some of those wealthy suburbs when someone, a customer would buy the property, they'd ask us to rip everything out and replant and quite often we're planting very similar hedges, roses semi-mature trees so we take all those things home bag them up into 45 or 100 litre bags and sell them off on the weekend so that was a side shoot of the gardening business over time and it has ended up a full-time job for me so I didn't think it was going to end up like this I thought I'd just be doing maintenance and renos until I couldn't do it anymore because I'm older I'm 71 still feel like I'm 25 which is a worry as my wife says but in the head, I'm still 25. But, you know, you pick, it, pick up the experience, you pick up knowledge as you go along. I'm not formally trained at all. I've picked it up on the job and I've picked it up from, obviously, guys around me. I surround myself with people with a lot of knowledge. And tonight, I'm surrounded by a lot of knowledge here with you guys. Um, so, yeah, that's it. I mean, many a day when I was first learning, I'd go out to Banara Nurseries. They were in Wanneroo at the time. And I'd just spend a day. And, and pick their brains, have a look around. And the family were very good back then. The grandparents were there and one of the lads, uh, Daniel, one, yeah, of the Dan, son, yeah. one of the sons, Dan, he was really good. He took me under his wing and he'd always sell me bits and pieces and I'd always go home with a few trees in the, in the old van and he's, um, he cut a few prices and got me, got me going. So, you know, they, they were really good days. But, I mean, it was hard work. But over time, you build up your knowledge and, and I think you just got to get out there and have a go. So, yeah. 
So fruit trees are your main graft at the moment? Yeah, they are now. Um, there was a time when recycling off jobs, it was a bit of everything. And uh, as my wife pointed out, seasonally I could sell anything else, you know, deciduous trees and roses or whatever, you're digging off jobs. But did, she pointed out to me, do you realise that every time you have a fruit tree, especially citrus, it wouldn't last more than a week? You know, you'd bag it up and it was still freshly bagged up and out the door it would go. I'm talking about selling mainly to the public. These days we do supply some landscapers and um, designers, etc. So it's a little bit different now. It's more boutique We've gone into, you know, some unusual fruit trees and we, we're getting in some rare fruit trees from um, Queensland, etc. to get the tropicals and yep. That's what mangoes, people, a lot of people want that sort of stuff. Though. A lot of there's the demands there, you know, the longans and the lychees, and you know, five years ago, probably wouldn't have many inquiries for that sort of thing. Trends have changed, and you got to. I think it's important you got to go with the trends. So, so back then when you were digging lemons out of people's houses in Dalkeith, you, yep. did you have a property out in the hills, or was it no. where were you, where were you taking? No, I, was, I was actually we were actually well we were at that time because we we're still getting on our feet financially. Yep. I, I met you know second marriage and everything started from nothing when I was in my mid forties again, and so we were renting a property on Watley Crescent, which is in Bayswater on the railway line there, yep. and uh, that had a like three quarter acre block out the back of swamp, so that was great for all sorts of things, including bagging up the fruit trees. Mm. It had a return entrance on it, so that was great. We're now over in Midvale on 1,012 square metres and we've probably got 600 trees out the back, I reckon, on the go. But we turn it over so it's not always that number. It could be, you know, 100 less uh, one month and 100 more the next month. But um, So it's what we pack in uh, into that display area is is quite a challenge, but we do it. And then up in Rollystone we uh, have some more mature stock and we grow on up there. So, are you growing uh, smaller trees yourself, Matt, or you're just you're, we're, we're getting you're growing yeah, on? Yeah, no, we're, we're growing on. We've got we rely on commercial grafters to graft, and so we do a bit of multi grafting. It's hit and miss in in the summer, so that's not sure the jury's out on that one. The popularity is there, but you can only maybe only get one out of ten successful. So it's it's. Um, Still a bit of a novelty, I think. It's not really a financial thing, but people want the double grass, but quite often I'll suggest to them that uh, perhaps if they planted two trees, like if you're needing two plums or two apples or pears, as you do, two varieties, you could potentially trim the roots to a point and then plant the two trees in the one hole. So you get your pollination rather than, and I think a lot more fruit than you would is that because yeah, people have graph. got smaller gardens now, do you think? That yeah, oh, the small, that? yeah, the smaller gardens leads us into the dwarfs and semi-dwarfs and, and unless someone's planting a 90, in my opinion, unless someone's planting in a 90-litre tub plus, then you could go into your standard tree. But anything less than 90 litres, and that's a bit of a challenge because we're dealing with the public on a daily basis and we've got to explain all this to to them, but landscapers would probably understand this, that you just don't, grow a fruit tree in a you know 20 or 30 litre pot long term, they're going to get root bound. Mm. But a 90 litre pot seems to be, I've got a mate, another mate in Rolly Stone and he's got magnificent, I've done a video just recently on it, he's got magnificent, you know, probably there, probably 10 year old uh, citrus and stone fruit, multi-grafted and they're just loaded with fruit in 90 litre tubs. But good drainage, extra fertilising is, we think, is the key. 
Yeah. Well, fruit trees don't have a, an extensive root system, Matt, so uh, I think a 90-litre pot would probably would be giving you enough, um, yep. enough soil there to grow a, grow a decent-sized tree. Certainly with the smaller gardens now, and that trend has accelerated in the last, we've not, I've noticed in the last five years in particular, and now, you know, quite a few people are just saying, oh, well, you're the go-to person for uh, dwarfs. It depends what size we've got in stock, depending on the season, to be honest. But, you know, we've got pretty good stock levels at the moment, but there could be um, shortages coming up in the near future if we the sales keep going at this rate. So how do you, talking about sales, how do you forecast... Um, Obviously, you go back on years that you've yeah. had, but I mean, in the last couple of years, that would have bloody been it's, hard. It's hard to forecast. Yeah, you could normally forecast, but it's hard to forecast. Since COVID, we've probably gone up two and a half to three times the sales that we did before. Yep. And that's a combination of factors, but COVID has really got people and the public and the landscape as customers really wanting to be self-sustainable. and uh, It's a big thing now. And and, um, and fruit trees, and we do edible plants. So you might do an eb- plant an edible hedge, like a guava or fajoa, pineapple guava. Uh, the pink guavas, they're excellent for um, edible hedging. So there's there's another opportunity, um, and certainly the dwarfs in tubs. So, yeah, tre- trends are changing. The blocks are getting smaller, you know, and there's a spalier as well. We're showing people how you can, you know, plant. So vertical planting comes into it. And, and I think there's still a lot more to go there. People, are, the public are really worried about how you do it, but it's, you know, there's, it's not that difficult. We just give them a quick run through when we sell them the trees, but then there's good videos and we're starting to put more videos up ourselves now on Instagram and Facebook to show people. And people seem to love the videos we were talking about um, earlier. People love to see a video, even if we're just holding the secchies and showing them how to prune something. But I'm talking about a lot of the public that don't have a lot of horticultural knowledge. But with you guys in the industry and the younger landscapers coming through or starting up, happy to, I'm happy to run through things with them when they come in. But the more seasoned people, like at this table tonight, you wouldn't need. I'd be offending you if I asked you. You know, oh, do, I'm sure do, we're do still going to learn a few things. So we we can know. certainly help select. Yep. And and Ben, you know, comes in quite a bit here across the table and. He likes to normally likes to select, but we might chat about what he's going to do. So, Matt, um, you, you touched a little bit on pruning there, and and I know um, if you listen to any uh, radio show and and even a lot of podcasts, that uh, pruning is a, a a common question that comes up on all all types of fruit trees, be it either citrus or stone fruit. So you're alluring that uh, it's not too difficult. No, I don't think it is too difficult, but it's just the basis. Basics that you, that people need to know. Yeah, we like we like to show people a lot of our a lot of our trees that might be three years old. Fruiting what I call fruiting age goes out at three years old, and people are quite surprised that they might not be as tall as they think because we've top pruned them. And when you've got things in containers, you need to obviously prune and shape them. So we're pruning and regular fertilizing them, and and I'm talking about citrus. It's quite easy with citrus normally after. Um, the fruit cycle, we would give give them a trim as per necessary. But with stone fruit, normally if customers are buying like this time of the year, they're starting to go deciduous. We like to show the customer as we sell the stone fruit or apple how you prune it and give them a trim on the spot and they're right for 12 months. So they can either watch videos or come back and ask us. It gives us repeat business or even go out and prune 
for them next season. So that's you know uh, where perhaps these young landscapers who are looking to expand their business could obviously do the the, the maintenance on pruning if they know know the basics. They could be pruning fruit trees. There seems to be a strong demand for that. Mm. We can't we can't be everywhere. We can't go to all suburbs. Obviously pruning because we're busy. Well, I'm busy seven days a week, but. Um, we're, we're limited on on the days we can be open where we are with the Shire, so that's a, a, a requirement of us that we can't be open on a Sunday. Why is, why is that? Um, we're in a residential street in, in Midvale, yep. and uh, evidently someone two or three years ago now made a phone call in the street objecting to us trading on a Sunday. And we're very passive and almost organic with what we do, so I was a bit bit surprised, but... It's with the Shire, um, they don't really need to disclose who it is by law. So after a, the long and short of it is we did apply for a licence, a restricted licence to continue trading there and they eventually uh, agreed but the trade-off was that we would close on a Sunday and which is obviously a strong trading day in the, for the public, mm. not necessarily for landscapers but for the public. So that's clipped our wings a little bit. It gives me a chance to have a day off and do um, family things. You know, we've got you know grandkids playing sport and we go kayaking or bushwalking or something. So my wife does see me on a Sunday now, but when I had the garden maintenance business, you know, I was quite often doing quotes on a Sunday and working the six days a week till I was, you know, well into my late 50s. Mm. But if, it, if you enjoy it, it's not really like work, you know. No, exactly. And that's, that's what I say to people getting into the game who help me out, the young ones come in and help on a weekend and if they're not really, if you don't enjoy it, it's hard work. But you know, I just love what what I do. It was a hobby that's turned into a business for me. You um, you touched on fertilising there a little bit there, Matt. Yep. Would you like to um, maybe give us a few um, pointers on what, what, well obviously what citrus like? And maybe what the what the stone fruits because um, that is one one area that you do see with people mainly with citrus that you always see an undernourished citrus tree and uh, I don't think the old um, the old wise tale of going down having a, a bit of a piddle on it is not is probably not the, the complete answer. It's a part answer. Um, what if you take your multivitamins? <laughs> Depends what you've drunk. Um, but I did, uh, I did have a small property in uh, Dwelling Up some years ago. I'm talking on that topic. And um, I was in, had a gardening business then at the time, so all the old cronies and orchardists all came around to meet us, being new in the town, and they said, oh, you should have a barbecue on, on a weekend, which I did invite them all around. And we had this old, mature, neglected uh, lemon tree near the house, and I said, oh, I'll bring down some... Um, you know, quality slow release and, and I'll feed that up. And they just all laughed at me and said, no, get us around and we'll have some, have a barbie and have some beers and we'll piss on it. <laughs> and, and honestly, four, four to five weeks later, you wouldn't recognise that tree. It just, there was a lot of lot happening that night, I reckon. But um, <laughs> probably over oversupply. But it, it stimulated. It, 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 it stimulated <laughs> it to a point. But these days, to be, to be serious, that did, that did work at the time. But to be serious, um, you can't do that on a on a client's job. <laughs> no. Although some some we guys may be getting phone calls, you know. <laughs> I mean, some guys might have been caught taking shorts, especially on a cold winter's um, day. And I could tell some of those stories, but perhaps it's not the right not the right forum tonight. But 
Um, certainly the quality slow release, and we, we're big um, fans of the Troforte, and um, we should be part owners in that business, the amount of Troforte that we use and sell. And there's, there's the slow release. The slow release pellets that they put out and tablets, which we use a lot, have a lot of um, the microbes working through the soil as well as the, the slow release requirements. And it, it really, really works well on all the fruit trees that we, we use it on. Uh, and we sell heaps of that product to the point where we've had extra large containers made up, especially with the tablets. The slow-release tablets for trees we find works really and the controlled release. So those large tablets, you're just spiking holes in around the tree. Ben, I think you might have, I might have got you onto that. Mm, you I've used some for native. Uh, yep. Back when I used to do revegetation, we used Typhoon. I yep. think they're called yep. the native ones. Yeah, but I haven't that's, used that's them. very similar. It looks like the Typhoon yeah, I thought tablets it similar, that the yeah. Tro4D do. And for trees, it's great, especially trees in tubs. It works really well. Just get set the customer up and, and sell them a, a large tub of that. But we we actually have for landscapers and um, country and hills people with large blocks. We have uh, tubs of a thousand now of those tablets, and they work really really well. Uh, I also personally, I'm I'm a big uh, fan of foliar spraying. So spraying the leaves. Uh, I use Troforte, but I have used other products in the past. Uh, the Troforte seems to have a fair bit of kick in it. Really, really turns those leaves green and shiny in about three to five days, Matt, depending on the weather. And how do you actually, if you don't mind, just break it down? Uh, how you, how do you do your foliar application? Like, like what sort of ratio do you mix with yeah, the usually, water? Well, I usually I look at one part to twenty. It's quite strong. The Tro okay. Forte is quite strong, so yep. I use it about one part to twenty. Yeah, you can regulate that. That's still pretty strong, I suppose, yeah. but. You can regulate that, but the I wouldn't go. I don't like to go too weak. It really depends on the temperature. If it's stinking hot, we re- normally recommend to do it in the cool mm-hmm. in the evening or wait for a cool change and then foliar spray it. But with the tablets and pellets, doesn't matter what the temperature, because it's coated, it's not going to burn the roots. And a lot of customers yeah. are asking me all that sort of thing because we're dealing with the public and some of them have no knowledge. But at this it. time of year when the soil temps are, what is it, below 14 or whatever? and So, so, so you've got to get the, get it in through the leaf, don't you? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yep. And so you just spray it on with like a fine mist, do you? Yep, we, find, we misty spray it. So you dilute it and put it into a spray bottle of whatever size, you know, you just measure to the, the spray bottle, a one, two litre or backpack, or depends what you're using. Yeah. You measure, the, the measurements are on the, on the container, but I don't like to go too strong. And I've had, you know, some of the old blokes, especially older European guys who don't really want to listen, have come back a week or two later and they said they've used up all their concentrate. And I'm saying, that's impossible. What have you done with it? So they've put bucket loads on neat. Well, you know, it's just, that's just ridiculous. But, you know, so you need one part to 20 is what I do. And a, and a, and a fine mist spray. A fine misty spray on the leaves. So it's actually covering both sides of the leaf. So really douse it downwind, not up. Upwind. Yeah, 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 if it's windy, that's a bit tricky. But downwind, yeah, because I'm, I'm I'm sure a lot of people have heard about it, but don't have not have actually done it. Well, it, yeah, look, I've been a big fan and promoting it for about fifteen years, but it's really, I think, in the last five years that some of the other gurus have been talking about foliar spraying. But um, then again, you know, with some organic products like some of the eco growth products, which we we have we do have an offer to sell. Yeah, some people have lost. I've lost 
Well, maybe we'll go over to uh, pests, and I suppose, Matt, the biggest pest in, in WA now, well, certainly down in the suburbs in Perth, is the, um, the gore wasp, which is native to uh, Queensland, and we suspect may, have, may or may not have come across with uh, you know, stock that's come from Queensland, but that is sort of a, a, a very, is ravaging its way through the suburbs at the moment, and uh, there's been lots of... Um, uh, theories on how to get rid of it. Do you have one yourself? The jury's out. We obviously, we if we find it, we, we're cutting it out. We're sizing it up, meaning the lumps are trimmed and sectioned off, and we recommend to solarize it or wrap it in plastic. You can burn it or boil it, but that's usually you know a bit of a pain trying to do that. Wrap it in some plastic to solarize it, then in the bin after a couple of weeks. Don't put it in neat, obviously, in bin or compost because it's going to um, spread, and that's how it spread. Somewhere else. Can you see that being a, a probably a, a bit of a little bit of a game changer for people wanting to grow citrus? It's a bit like the chili thrip now with roses that's coming into roses is actually being found in a lot of other plants. And and yeah. out there, I have a lot of people saying, "Well, I'm going to rip all my roses out now." And yeah. I, I dare say that uh, that um, citrus gore wasp may. May have uh, a similar um, similar thing yep. you know, to the yeah, public. It out could there. it could uh, it could impact. Well, it is impacting. Uh, however, trials are underway, so the Department of Ag are working uh, behind the scenes. And and I know a few growers, and I know some orchardists uh, who are trialling at the moment. But when you read online, it um, one recommendation is to spray them with eco oil. But I'm not convinced. It's worth a try because we spray with eco oil for um, leaf miner, leaf curl, which is a big thing. Uh, trim off the worst affected leaves, but uh, spray um, every four weeks is what we recommend to the public. So foliar spray again every four weeks for uh, with eco oil. So, you know, there is an article online I've, I've been reading about spraying on the wasp, but I, I'm, I'm not convinced. We, we're still cutting them out. Unlike some, well, quite a bit online and, and in, uh, on the garden shows on telly uh, talking about using a potato peeler and trimming the lump, uh, we're not convinced in the industry and some of the guys I deal with and orchardists are not convinced either. You can, I guess by not cutting that branch off, you are um, not disfiguring the tree, if you like, by trimming just a light trim on the lump, but it's a bit... I think it's a bit like cancer because if you don't get it all, it's going to spread. So how do we know that lump isn't still in the in the in the branch of the tree? It's so the jury's out. Um, I'm afraid at the moment we just have to be vigilant in the garden, check it. If you see it, trim it out and just don't throw it in the bin. Cut it up and do something with it. Do something constructive with it. And so hopefully there'll be a cure on the horizon soon. Because we are a bit concerned at the moment in the industry, yeah. Yes, I think there's a concern to be had there, not just for the industry, but for all the um, all the home gardens as well. Um, other citrus, I'll talk about citrus at the moment. Other citrus pests and diseases that uh, are common coming across your your desk. Yeah, the more the most common one would be the leaf miner, leaf curl, and public just asking me all day long because they don't have the knowledge or just maybe can't be bothered looking up online to see what to do about it, to be honest. I'd rather ask someone like us. And um, I think others in the industry have been, that's their most common 
inquiry as well. So, yeah, we, we just trim off, recommend to trim off the worst, spray with eco oil monthly as a preventive. So we're all, all year round spraying with eco oil. I mentioned that eco oil because it's an organic horticultural oil. There is on the shelf at uh, the big box and other nurseries, you will see pest and white oil. We, we're not big fans of it because even though it can be effective, it tends to nuke all the good bugs and the ladybugs, etc. So we're not really into killing off all the environment and the bugs. We, we want to get rid of the bad bugs, not the good bugs. So it's a bit of a trade-off, so I like to, to use it and recommend the eco oil for that reason. You can use soapy water and put a bit of um, garlic and chilli in it, but, you know, it can work to a point. So some real organic gardeners do that. But um, we, we need to draw a line somewhere, and, and so we, we're, not, we're not sort of recommending that, but for the backyarder they could have a go and, and make up their own organic mix, and there's some good things online about that. Yeah, so they're, they're the two main things. Obviously, the gall wasp is quite new, perhaps in the last five years, that it's really been in Perth, and, and it has evidently travelled down from uh, Queensland. So it, it is a concern. So hopefully the trials will um, give us a favourable favorable results soon. And I've heard a few um, stories of, of work that's been done, but they're not there yet. So hopefully sooner than later we can get on top of that. But other than those two things with citrus, no, there's things overseas which uh, in, in, in the States, the greening in the States, so that's, uh, they've had their issues over there. But uh, it hasn't arrived in Australia at this stage. Isn't there a really nasty one in California, is it? Yeah, the greening is in Is that in what the it is? States. And yep. it just, they ripping all that, their trees out of orchards? Yeah, it's like, it's like a dieback, evidently. So the greening has been uh, landline, has had a few good articles on it. Um, so you could look on iView and read up on that. I believe it's travelled through Asia, so potentially it is close, but it's not here yet. But uh, Department of Ag may have more uh, information, whether they want to talk about it or not, I don't know, but um, hasn't reached our shores at this stage. And again, it would sort of travel from Asia. I heard it might be parts of it in Papua New Guinea, so if it hits the tip of Queensland, well, then it'll just travel and away we go. Oh, no. So hopefully not. Um, and I believe the Department of Ag are, are, you know, are onto that. So it would be really interesting to hear some of their comments on some of these things, but they do have some articles on online, but they have to be trialled and proven before, they, I guess, they'll put things online. Mm. It would be really interesting to have someone from the Department of Ag talking about some of these pests and diseases mm. in here. Absolutely, but whether they, bad idea. Yeah, if that's a possibility. But um, I think that uh, goes to show why quarantine is so important when you you are driving across the state yeah. and you have to stop at uh, the, the border town there and throw yeah. your fruit in the bin. It's not because they don't want you to eat it. It's because we have industries here that yeah. that we, we're lucky in WA that we don't have a lot of the diseases and pests and diseases that they do have on the eastern states. And uh, yeah. if we can keep them out, it not only helps the commercial grower, but it's also the residents that uh, yeah. get to benefit from it. So, uh, Matt, uh, you're, you did say you were 71 years of age, so I suppose you've seen a lot of old trees in your life or getting to see a lot of old trees. Um, have you got any uh, old trees in the suburbs that you may have seen recently? <laughs> yeah, did Last huh. Sunday. <laughs> that was a great le- leading question. Yeah, last Sunday a mate of mine called me round to look. He's uh, renovated a uh, historically listed house, which used to be an old tavern, in, I won't give the address because otherwise people will be driving past, but in, in Guildford, I'll say that much. Um, 
So, um, and I was doing a video for our Fruit Tree Man page, as we do, on Instagram and Facebook. Bit of a plug there, I suppose. Yep, get uh, it in while you yeah. can. Get it in while I can, because in a minute, when I finish this beer, I think they'll push me out the door. <laughs> but, um, um, and so we're doing a video on some of his old, older fruit trees, which look really old. The Meyer lemon, which he thought was a tangerine, but he doesn't know his trees. So anyway, I'm looking at it, and, and they were sort of wrinkled, a lot of wrinkled-looking fruit, and in the end I could see one that was larger that definitely, definitely looked like a Meyer lemon when I cut it open. So it's a really, really old Meyer lemon that's on... It's still fruiting, but the fruit looked pretty average. It was all crinkly, so that's a sign. So uh, he's not a good fertiliser, so I gave him another tub of the Trofort tablets, as we do whenever I see him. Um, so people buy the stuff, but they don't necessarily use it. This is public, but landscapers would religiously fertilise, I'm sure. But um, so, and I was doing this video, and I'm looking at these trees and find the last tree, and I said, "Oh, this is a really old, gnarly, 45 degree angle tree with just a few branches and uh, leaves shooting up." And I said, "Oh, it looks like an old olive tree." And they said, "Oh, no, no, it's an old nectarine." And I said, "Oh, well, it's good." perhaps in the next year or so, it's on its last legs, could be 100 years old and they were all nodding in the background and I said it's good for firewood soon and they yelled out and said no, it's historically listed. So that tree, when the society came out to check their renovations and because it, it was a historically listed house that he renovated, they also historically listed that particular tree. Not the fruit trees, which to me look about 80 years old, it's older than me, even. But this tree could be 100 or more. So that's older than me, for sure. <laughs> and it's on its last legs. I'm still going. I've still got some gas in the tank yet. Aye. But it's imparting knowledge on to the interesting thing, I think, that what I still get excited about every day. I still get excited every day out there because I we're imparting knowledge on to all these generations. Like this, four, you know, I'm talking now to four generations of gardeners or would-be gardeners or landscapers and I think it's exciting to pass on any knowledge. I've got a couple of elderly mates that are older than me. They're both orchardists still working and they come in and we give talks and I just love having them around because their knowledge was probably 60 years of knowledge each. You can't beat that, that sort of knowledge. So we're trying to impart that sort of knowledge onto the younger generation so they can pass it forward. I think it's really important. Oh no no no! You can't top that one. Sorry, uh, that was a great through. story, Matt. You, you, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I led you. We, we thought we, we, you mesmerised us. <laughs> I, um, I, led, no, no. I led you off into a dead end. Sorry. No no no. Um, we haven't really talked about. Uh, you did flag. You have rare trees, but what sort of range of rare varieties have you got? And what are the some of the more unusual things you have at the moment? Okay. Well, what was rare, it is becoming more mainstream, is the Japanese yuzu lemon. Um, five years ago, people would look at me like, you know, I had two heads when I suggest this. Now people are coming in asking for it. And, and this is, um, and, and the, obviously the, the native limes and the bush tucker that we grow, uh, and that there's three native limes, uh, and we've got them right up to f- mature fruiting age, so landscapers could be interested in, in using these, and that's the finger lime, which comes in different coloured fruit. They're on a semi-dwarf rootstock, which is interesting. You, they can be grown in a tub or in the garden. 
the red centre blood lime and the green and the sunrise lime, they were both the CSIRO developed both of those. Fantastic fruit can be used in salads uh, and the botanical drinks. So the the distilleries buy those sort of fruit from us or tre- and trees from us to grow the trees to grow the fruit, and and so it's really kicked off. So with these uh, gourmet shows, it's really kicked off some unusual fruit now. So that's becoming more mainstream. A lot of people are coming in f- to to plant those edible hedging. I brought one in tonight, but we might take a photo. You might not. That's the lemon myrtle. <laughs> the lemon myrtle is is a great. Um, is a great bush, so we're getting a calling, uh, a lot of demand for that uh, as part of our bush tucker range. So the, the lemon myrtle can be, and it's easy for landscapers to plant those. They can either build a hedge with it, or they can customer could just have it in the tub. We give tastings of those leaves every every day when off our tree every day when someone comes in because it's so universal. You can, you know, you can uh, use it in cooking. You can make drinks with it. You can make tea with it. So. Yeah, we, we're getting into a more and more unusual bush tucker, like the beach cherry, which is a hardy little native cherry we've got in at the moment. So we're working on, on other things. But then there's the Asian tropical market, like longans and lychees, obviously avocados and mangoes. We go into some unusual and rare. I saw you had pandan. Yeah, you've been in recently? Yeah. Ben? Yes. Yeah, and yeah. is that the route you use of that or...? Yeah, that's right. The okay. route you use, yeah, you've been in just... You had me there for a minute because it's quite new to us as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've only had it in for the last month yeah. you are in. And it makes like those green kind of desserts. I think Sri Lankan people use it a lot. Yeah. And then you had another one. What was it? Black sapote and it says tastes okay, like chocolate. So the, yeah, the chocolate pudding tree or black sapote. You've been very observant when you come in. Yeah, he picks you, things up, doesn't he? You didn't buy one, though, but we'll, we'll work on you. Maybe drop the price. Yeah, no, you just know, joking. Yeah, you just, well, we've got younger ones. You can have buy cheaper. Um, I think the prices are going up because the rare things are, oh, are getting hard to find. So they're coming in from Queensland, so yeah, they cost, yeah, yeah. you know, with obviously freight and quarantine costs a fortune. Now, yeah, of course, yeah. And yeah. prices seem to be going up for that reason. But yeah. uh, So the chocolate pudding is an interest one, interesting one. It's like... Um, well, it's like a chocolate pudding taste. You just scoop with a spoon, you just slice it open and spoon it out. And there's a white sapote, which has a, a unique taste. It's quite different to the black. I did buy one of those ones, actually. Yeah. I hope your customer, for you or for your no, customer? No, for my customer, yeah. Hope Asian lady, yeah. She was, okay. uh, she really wanted that. And obviously that lemonade tree, too. Yep. yep. Okay. Yeah. Lemonade is becoming more mainstream now. It's a beautiful, it's ultra sweet. If someone's looking for an ultra sweet tree, or if anyone, or if any of the landscapers listening, you know, that are interested in, in fruiting, we're happy to give them some advice and Very some tips. Good. So, yeah, the rare stuff, there's uh, more demand. We're looking at expanding that range. Oh, very of, good. Of rare and tropical, you know, star fruits and other things. So do you so. go and look at the nurseries in Queensland or are you, are you buying off yeah, the up, no, I was, no, I was up there just recently. Yep. We are dealing with by ordering and having it delivered just over a email or phone. I was up there just interestingly um, only two months ago and got very close and then caught COVID. Went up there for a wedding and I was going to go off and see growers. Caught COVID, spent a week in the house at Coolum Beach with family and had to come home again. So, yeah. so close but yet so far. <laughs> so I spoke to them on the phone and email. Yep. But... Um, yeah, the, the demand's getting stronger, so unfortunately there's not a lot of tropicals successfully being grown commercially in um, in, in Perth because we've got the cooler uh, winter, mm-hmm. cold weather. 
And, and speaking of disease, going back to diseases, the one that I didn't mention at the time is the mango trees. And due to climate change, which is another hot topic, of course, having just been through an election, the, the mango trees, our stock last winter, it was a longer, colder winter, and they suffered from anthracnose, so the blackening on the branches and the trunk, which you need to prune off. We actually lost some trees, only because it was a longer, extended, colder winter, and mango trees hate the winter. So we normally spray them with a fungicide, the copper oxychloride, and then we step it up through the depths of winter with uh, a rot. is what we, what we particularly use. Uh, it's not ultra-strong, but it's strong enough to do a good job. So we recommend that to be sprayed on mango trees through um, winter and we spray our avocado trees with it as well. Which are two trees that you will find a lot of uh, in the Perth area, uh, man- mangoes and, um, very, and, very and strong, avocados. Very yeah. strong demand. But So if uh, landscapers uh, uh, want to pop in, you know, we, can, we can either sell them something or show them what to do or they can contact me. Try not to make too many phone calls because the phone calls are just... But a text or email would be easier for me. Yeah, <laughs> it's the long easier than talking to someone. It's the, sure. it's the it's uh, the of the uh, long the long phone calls that, that take up a lot of time. It's generally the older customers that do that. They want to chat. Yeah, well, that's, when you're busy, that's the public in general. Yes, the public in general. Yeah. Yeah. but the younger ones generally shoot a text or an email. It's a uh, you know you, it's a pretty well a pattern that anyone over fifty normally wants the long phone call. Um, someone over the back fence has got a problem with their lemon tree and told them that, how to sort it out, what did I think? And when you give the advice, they'll go, yeah, but someone else told me something different. So 20 minutes later, we're still having that conversation. <laughs> so, so yeah, text text or email. So if anyone wants to, or they can just drop in. Uh, Midland should be close to some of the guys, not everyone. Oh, it's pretty to, central to, these days. To find a, yeah. to, to find a decent um, fruit tree or edible plant, we, we're doing... Quality because we're putting the, the fertilising and the time into it and some maybe don't and that's the neglected trees that you see out there. People aren't putting the, the fertiliser or the foliar spraying all the time into it. So Fruit Tree Man, Matt, is your, um, is your business and how can we contact you? Do you have an email? Yeah, or fruit, fruittreeman at gmail.com. We have a web page as well. Yep. Um, and obviously uh, they can text me on the phone number as well. So they can just look us up on uh, Instagram or Facebook or uh, Google. Good old Google is the way to go, and we get a huge amount of hits on Google. People Great. are looking for fruit trees, so they just key it in. You'd so be the top of the, top of the tree on Google then? Yeah, it seems to be. Yep. And by I don't know what, how or why, but I can't work out the algorithms there, but we seem to be on top. So we must be doing something right. Yeah, sounds like it. So yeah. great. Well, thanks very much, Matt. It's been great having you in today for, for, for a bit me. of a chat. Yeah. And I hope that uh, the landscapers out there take some of that advice and give you a call because, uh, as we all know, fruit trees are a very popular thing, uh, and they have been for many years. And and with that tree you were talking about uh, earlier, hundred years old, it just goes to show how long they can live. Exactly. So thanks very much, Matt. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Good on you, Matt. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. You've been listening to The Green Thumbs Up, brought to you by the Landscape Industries Association, WA, sponsored by Miniquip Hire.